100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three bedroom, one and a half bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk anything like that so if you head over to airbnb and search elk cross and getaway in the pa wilds you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here then we'll get you 10 percent off of your first day are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level then you're in the right place welcome to east meets west hunt with your host bo martonic 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined once again by Alabama Big Woods hunter Shane Parker for part two of the Thermal Hub discussion. So if you missed last week's episode, make sure you listen to that first because it'll help lead into this one. Shane has a really, really detailed and analytical approach to hunting whitetails around thermal hubs in the mountains of Alabama. But on this episode, we discuss how bucks are using the terrain to bed, travel from and through the ridges, what topo hubs are, and much more that's all around these topics and terrain features. And like I said, Shane is just a wealth of knowledge. He has a ton of data to back up his accusations if you want to call them that and his thought process with it so it's it's really cool Uh, it's one of those things one of these podcasts that you're probably gonna have to listen to multiple times to fully grasp it and that's okay because there's a lot of really good information in here so on this week's mountain buck monday story of the week we have a story coming out of pennsylvania from eric barnes Eric wrote in, here's my 2022 Pennsylvania public land rifle buck story. After holding out for a few giants during bow season, I abandoned those areas and went back to scout an area I've shot a few bucks in the past, but haven't hunted yet in 2022. I went into that area to scout on Black Friday, November 25th and found a fresh rub line close to where I've usually hunted in the past and killed bucks before. So I got in there and set up super early on November 26th, the opening day of rifle season. It was a slow morning, but at 9.20 a.m., I glanced to my left and saw a deer moving through a thicker patch and got my rifle up. Once I saw him through my scope, I saw he was a shooter, so I settled my shot and squeezed it off. He ran off and piled up 20 yards later. He scored just under 110 inches of fish unofficially, but he was seven and a half years old, just like my 2021 archery buck was. Even though I wasn't able to fill my tag and bow season on one of my target bucks, I was able to make something of this season in rifle season. Well, congratulations again, Eric, because this is your second entry coming in two years in a row, two extremely old deer. Uh, so congratulations on that. And anybody that wants to go check out the photos of Eric's deer, head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook. Check it out. And if you have your own mountain buck submission that you want to send in to be shared on the show and social media, please send it via email to bow at eastmeetswesthunt.com. Just a paragraph or two describing the hunt, what was going on, and a few photos, what you have to, to be able to share. I love sharing these stories. I say it all the time, and, and it's obvious that you guys do too. So thank you for, uh, for sending in all these submissions and, and keep them coming. Uh, another news, I'm in Utah this week for a trip with Sika, and then I'll be finishing off the weekend at the Total Archery Challenge out there in uh, Salt Lake. This is my first time ever uh, being in Utah, so I'm really excited about this trip, getting to uh, mess around out there. But I uh, got a lot of cameras out in the woods now, been, been spending some decent time out scouting. Actually, I have to, next time, I, once I get home here, I need to get out and... and uh, 
change out some SD cards on some cameras. And uh, I was with the price of lithium batteries. I've been trying to use some of the ones from last year, which I think is going to get me in trouble because it's hard to tell when lithiums are going dead, but I didn't want to waste them. And so during the summer, I'm running like some used batteries and they're not really caring if they end up dying. But uh, it's, it might put me in a might put me in a tough spot if I forgot to market in Spartan Forge as far as when I uh, or yeah when I, these batteries were new. So I guess we'll see. But anyways, I hope that you enjoy this podcast with Shane Parker, and there'll be uh, a couple more YouTube clips up on YouTube too. So I uh, I'd mentioned it you know a while ago when I started doing these video podcast clips. So what they are is like. 7 to 12 minute videos that are clips are pulled directly from this podcast but they're put on YouTube and they're interactive with you know some maps uh whether it's you know B-roll as far as deer or encounters that we're talking about stories that we're talking about it's just uh it's it's a little bit more interactive short form something that you can you can look at uh really in between doing anything so uh check that out and and give the YouTube channel a subscribe if you would and uh, thanks everyone for listening. We will talk to you next week. Yeah, that that, that so when you when you're saying the early morning to the <clears throat> the the midday switch, you, are you saying that he's probably a little bit lower for the early morning one, and then shifting up higher, or or the he he may be on the same elevation. Uh, okay, but here is he he may be in one drainage, and he's wanting to get to this drainage over here, this thermal hub, and so I'm going to anticipate that he's in this one. And I'm going to get to where he's going to want to be. He may be on the same elevation. He just may be. Because that's what I tend to see is they kind of bounce around these different drainages and they'll stay higher in elevation. They'd be being this one this morning. And in midday, he may switch over to another one. And then he'll bed in that for his midday bed. And then once he once he exits that, uh, that's when he's using the, the, the thermal hub itself in the afternoon. So I'm going to, I'm trying to kind of anticipate that Okay, I'm in my early morning bed. I, I, I fed. I got in my bed, and, you know, right after uh, daybreak. And then when he's switching, I'm trying to anticipate what thermal hub he's going to be in and try to be in that bed uh, waiting for him, basically. Yeah, and, and I know Paul talks about that a lot, too, is, like, getting set up on those places, like, anticipating those shifts and when they're going to move, you know, being on, like – kind of the outskirts of where they might be betting at and just like and he'll hunt all day early season on just like anticipating some of those switches you know after we got off our podcast he, he was like help me break down this area that that i've known this buck's like nine years old that's living in there and i'm like i'm pretty sure this is where he's living he's like and i showed him where i found a shed and all this stuff and he's like yeah that makes total sense and he's like if i was you this is where i would get in and and set up and sit there all day he goes he's probably shifting around in some of these places and you know to be able to have that opportunity yeah yeah because the thing here is i you know the thing that i always ran into when i and in this mountain hill country and kind of rough rugged creek bottom you know is is the way the deer bed the way the mature bucks bed it's it's really it's not the same as ag based. Uh, it's just not you can't you can't predict uh, where he's going to bed at um, as, as well. It's not as easy to get in there because you're usually the thing that I've I've always had issues with uh, when I tried to hunt where I thought they're bedding in that early morning is I always busted them out of that bed uh, because they were already there before I 
you know, made my approach. And, and if you got there two or three hours beforehand, the thermals are not in your favor. You know, he's walking mm-hmm. right into your thermals, you know, so he's not going to, you're not going to see him at all then. So it was just better to try to get into an area that he want that they want to get to after they bedded that initial time, because that initial time is just so random, you know, and it's so, it's such a knife edge that you're trying to, uh, you're trying to predict and trying to get into that. It just, it just didn't, um, it didn't really make sense to try to do that. So I'm trying to predict that, that second movement. And it's usually in those, like I said, those V-shaped drainages, then that's when the V-shaped drainages really are what you want to key in on instead of those U-shaped uh, big flat bottom uh, drainages and, and thermal hubs. You're going to those V-shaped at that point in time, getting that steepest terrain that he can possibly seek out, basically. Do you do you find that in, in and around these thermal hubs that the bucks will use the same beds a lot, or do you find that they will shift a lot more, like just different beds, but in within that that necessary drainage i I think uh i think as they get older i think they start getting to where it's one or two or three beds like that their their bedding really shrinks down but they but here uh, you older class that start doing that you're usually talking seven eight nine year you know the older older bucks because bucks here can get really old Mm -hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of hunting pressure but what i see is in that uh, four and a half to six and a half year old range, uh, they're not as specific. They, they may he may bed on this side of this little uh, micro drainage one day, and he may be uh, on the opposite side the next day. You know, and it, he may bounce around. You know, but he's going to be in that general area. But he's just probably going to be using a different bed. And then once once as they age up, I feel like they get more. Um, they get more bed specific to where they have maybe have three or four beds only, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, uh, um, what else am I going to ask about that? Um, I guess, I guess too, with like, if, I guess when I look back at like the, a bucket my dad killed in 2021, you know, that deer was, eight and a half years old or so and what he learned was that that deer's home range was so small i mean even during the rut like it almost seemed like the does came to him versus like even when they're in that four to six year old range where they're you know moving around a little bit because i've always had such a trouble finding a specific bed that i felt confident in versus a bedding area uh you know type of type of deal yeah i I, i'm i'm i've when you're hunting big woods, trying to find one specific bed that that buck is using is, is it's worse than finding a needle in a haystack. I mean, it really is. You, a lot of times you just can't tell. It can look like a bed, but it might not be a bed, you know, like it's just yeah. one of those odd situations in this type of, uh, type of terrain and territory that sometimes you just don't know. I, I never have enough confidence that I say, Oh, this is a bed that he's going to be in three days this week. You know, like I, I just never have been able to be confident enough in that. Cause I've never had enough success trying to do it. So I just try to get myself in an area, you know, that I think, well, this is probably the area. And, and if, 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 and a lot of times this is, this is the biggest thing that I have issues with myself is I'm confident in an area enough to hunt it one day. And then once it doesn't produce, bam, I'm moving on, you know, like I didn't produce when I thought it was. And, and, and this is something that the cameras have taught me is, um, play the long game because a lot of times you're, if you're confident enough to hunt it at one time, you need to be confident enough to hunt it four days in a row. 
Yeah. You know, because that, that's really what it takes. If you're confident enough to say, I'm going to hunt this one day, you need to be willing to put four days into that location. Hi, I mean, I totally, totally agree with that. And I, I've told this before on the podcast, but like when I was younger, um, I would just, I'd find these good spots and I would just sit there for a week straight and yeah. I was always killing deer. And then once I started taking in too much knowledge from other people, which was maybe prevalent for their types of areas with higher deer densities and everything, but they were talking about really being mobile and moving all the time and doing this. And, and I started doing that and I wasn't finding the success. And I was like, when I was, when I wasn't overthinking it and I was just hunting the spots that I knew were good it worked out and I, and, and in these areas in the big woods and stuff, there's low deer density. I mean, and also the deer can sometimes be moving 60 yards away from you and you just can't see them. And that's, it's, I've come to learn that, that the patience aspect of like, and it, it becomes harder too. When you, when you scout so many places, you just have so many places in your mind to like, okay, I have a week to hunt. Like when, when, where should I be at? And a lot of times you, you gotta trust your gut or trust, you, you know, you trust the sign of what it was showing you. And that's very, that's very much harder, um, harder to, to do than it is to, to say, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is. Cause it, like you said, there's always, there's always something greener. There's always something better on the next side of the ridge, you know? And that's what I'm trying to get my mindset back into is, and I, I'm just like you, when I was younger, that's what I used to do. And that's, I mean, I killed a, a, you know, a lot of good bucks uh, doing that is, is, and it was mainly because I wouldn't scout that much. You know, I had, a, I had a favorite spot or two and yeah. I really wanted the time to scout all over the other place. So there wasn't anything else catching my eye that drew me over there, you know? So I had my, my good spots and that's where I would hunt. And that's really how you have to hunt the bigger, the, cause you got to get out of the mindset that if you're hunting in big woods, low deer density, you got to get out of the mindset that you went in there. So you blew everything out because if you went in there and didn't see anything, there wasn't nothing there. I mean, that big buck didn't come through if you're there and, he, and you didn't see him, you know, if you're yep. confident in your spot, you didn't blow him out. He just didn't come through that day. Well, that, that's, that's not a reason not to go back. That's the reason to go back, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and you got to look at it that way instead of instead of the opposite. You know, instead of it discouraging you, you got to say, "Well, I know he's coming through here in four days. I've got to sit there enough till, till he's eventually going to come through this area." You know, because that's just that's just how the deer work in that big that the big woods. You know, is they have you take a thousand acres, they're going to use three hundred of it. You put yourself in one of those three hundred acres at some point in time, you've got a really good chance, but you've got to be patient enough to stick with it till till he comes or back around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then that all comes down to like when you're hunting area over and over again, it just comes down to being really, you know, thoughtful on your access and how you're doing it and getting into there. And that's, that's what's become, I feel like in the last five years for me, something that I've really put a lot more focus on. It's like, okay, you know how to find the spots. You walk enough, you can find good spots. It's like, how do you make sure that when you're hunting them over and over again, that you're being the most efficient and you're not decreasing your odds, the more that you're hunting it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really, it is that it's just, it's, it's finding the spot, having the confidence in it, to put multiple sits into it and having the confidence of how you're accessing it is not ruining your hunt, you know, is not blowing everything out beforehand. And a lot of times, uh, you know, it's like, and that's why I like these hubs is because I know 
um, that my access is easy. Like I'm, I'm accessing them in an area that deer are not going to be in, you know, like, and I'm accessing them at a time and place that, that deer are not going to be there. You know, like I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, if I blow a doe out, more than likely it's going to be in an area if she smells me, that's not going to affect him, affect the buck that's in that hub. So that's why they're kind of almost, I wouldn't say they're bomb proof, but if you hunt them correctly and you put enough days into one of them and you have enough information that, that gives you the confidence to sit there, uh, I mean, it, it's one of the places that you can go and hunt and know that, that if you put the time in, you're probably, you're not going to do as much damage. You know, it's not like walking, a, a, you know, walking his, um, any uh, uh, entrance trail that he may be walking as well, you know, or be crossing, yeah. time, you know, you're not worried about that. You know, do you, do you, uh, uh, do you find like them betting in any, with any particular terrain features or cover or visuals? Like, is there anything? Cause like, you know, obviously like, when you look at like, um, um, some of these thermal hubs, you have these points of the ridges that are coming out. Do you find it where they traditionally are betting out on those points or do you think they're betting more with cover? If there's cover out there, that's great. Or like that they might be back in towards the draws a little bit that might be choked with some more, you know, mountain laurel or thicker stuff. Like what, what do you find in kind of a trend with that? Uh, the, honestly, not, not really very much of a trend. They do like those secondary points. If they can get on those to, to, to bet on, and, and by secondary point, I'm not talking about a huge, you know, a huge ridge that has another secondary point. It may just be a, if you go up into to one of these V-shaped ranges and it splits off, there's normally a ridge that kind of, it's a small ridge. It's, you know, it just may look like a round area and they'll usually bed right up on the end of that. Like that's a preferred area. Now, if it's, if it has nothing, if it's bald, it has nothing, you know, just trees, they're going to find somewhere that they can hide that's going to be adjacent to it. Uh, blowdowns are really good. Like if you can get an old blowdown tree stump or something like that, they'll find that. They'll bed near that because they can use that as back cover or even front cover, you know. But yeah, as far as terrain goes, um, when you split those those micro drainages, usually you'll have that little rise, and they'll usually bed right there, you know. And what I what I've actually anecdotally by I guess I guess by my own anecdotal. Uh, work is what I've noticed is when I work into these areas, like if I'm going during season to go check trail cameras, I find myself walking up these uh, drainages the same way. And the last couple of years when I've been walking up them, I've always seems like I'm bumping a mature buck or not, not even mature bucks, but bucks in general that are just like, they're not bedding in those drainages, those V-shaped drainages midday, but they're just, staging in them like they're just hanging out feeding in them uh so i'm i'm constantly finding them in that area and that that just seems to be something that you know they may not have an area that they're they're particularly bedding in but that just seems like a focal point that they're just kind of hanging around in so they may be bedding nearby dropping down into those those v-shaped drainages because they're steep and they usually have a red oaks white oaks you know it's usually they're usually around here choked full of uh of um soft mass and stuff like that so it's it's easy access for food you know yeah yeah and 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 too like i i feel like with with bedding it's like i more 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 times than not i'm not looking at these big ridges that are coming out 
as I kind of used to, as far as with them betting out along the edge of it, that you always hear traditionally, that's where they're going to bet at. Now they might, but I I feel like cover has such, has more, more of a play to it in the areas that I've hunted than the wind does. Like, for example, there's a place that, that I know of that this beautiful point that comes out would look like there's a nice drop off, great visual. It's perfect for them. And, but it's wide open, but on the other side, which is actually the South side of that and, and which way the historical predominant wind direction is actually coming from the Southwest. So it'd be almost the windward side, but it has some mountain laurel, but it's kind of like, uh, where it's scattered mountain laurel a little bit. And I found this little knob. So I actually found it. Um, and I know you, you were, uh, you did a, a post about this, like with using Spartan forge and the other mapping applications to look at, uh, using, the uh, excuse me, I'm losing my train of thought here, but the slope angle and, um, finding the little, finding the little knobs that are kind of in those places, little high spots that are within something else. Sometimes that is all that, that it takes for a, a buck to feel comfortable. Cause you know, they're not reading the rule books that we put out there. Or we talk about, they're just trying to find those places that give that sort of advantage. And, and for, for me, it was like, okay, you know, they want, they want cover, they want smell and they want sight. Now they can't always have all three of them, but they always like to have at least two, it seems like. Yeah. And, and so it, it depends on how, how that all lays out. But I look for those little micro, those micro things. And that's why I love slope angle. Cause like I've, I've read topography my entire life. My dad was always huge on reading maps and going through and looking at it. But I find these now slope angle just makes it quicker. It just pops out. You know, you see red all around and then you see a yellow or a spot that doesn't have any color shading to it. And it's just a small little dip. It's like, all right, there's a flat spot that's within all of this, um, steeper terrain. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Any of those, you know, they're, like you said, they're not looking for the huge, the does will bed and the younger bucks will bet on those bigger, uh, knobs and reach, reach secondary reach points and stuff like that. And especially during the rut, you start looking at the, you find those and then you're looking for the areas that the buck would bed nearby. And that's what you're, you know, that, that's the main thing is, is then look, you know, let's say you've got a ridge point, uh, sec- got two secondary ridges and they look really promising, but there's nothing really around them that's, that's cover based or anything like that. Um, then you're looking down, I'm looking for the downwind closest area that has like a, like, like you're saying something smaller on with steep terrain. Um, so if, if once I see that red or that orange, that's really steep terrain that I'm looking for a, a, a area in that area, you know, nearby that offers, um, uh, something, uh, you know, a, a terrain change with that steep terrain close by, you know, so that, that's how you use us, how I use the secondary points, uh, especially during the rut is to think, well, that's where the does are probably going to be bedded at. Uh, you know, what's the, what's the closest steep terrain to that, that, that would offer him cover and an ex, an escape, um, you know, position basically, you know? Yeah. And, and before I, before I, I have a, a couple other questions based around, um, wind and food, but the one, one thing I, I want to know if you consider this, what would be a thermal hub. So I don't see these a lot in Pennsylvania, but when I was hunting West Virginia, there's a lot of them and it was a concentration of bucks in these particular areas. And I learned it from, um, a local guy, Josh Elderton is a friend of mine that were, where basically you get like these, these U shapes, but it's, 
there's not like ridges that pop out. It's just literally like kind of flat walls that come out. And then the bottom, there'll be like a flat bench that a lot of times are kind of open, but it still kind of has a thermal pull that comes down to it. And it just seems like those areas, sometimes they might be grassy and brushy and everything in there, but it seems like that is a hub for those, those bucks to be at. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes the hubs and stuff like that, um, on, in, in, you, you talk about on the mountain itself, like a, a bench. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we see them here. And a lot of times what's, what affects that, uh, in the area that I am is it, in the ridges don't have, a, we don't see a lot of benches and stuff like that in this area, but what we'll find is rocky outcroppings. Like you'll 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 be walking up the side of a of a, of a ridge or up a up a secondary point or up a main ridge itself, and you'll come to like a rocky outcropping, and the trees are blown down. It may kind of level off a little bit, uh, just a little less steeper terrain, but it's got steep terrain you know surrounding it, so it's yeah. just like a bubble around it, you know. And yeah, you, those are focal points too here. Like I drop a lot of cameras in those. And, and man, they're, they just, they seem to be, they're usually down here, they're filled with sparkleberry, uh, it'll have blown down trees and stuff like that, man. You, yeah. If you can, that's another, another, uh, really good, really good point. And the, and the wind flows differently in those areas. You get more of a, when that, when you get the higher tree terrain around you, you kind of got that band that's like, doesn't have any, many, very many trees. What you get is a, um, um, a Venturi effect where that wind speeds up right in that area. Uh, and so it's almost like a little safe haven. That's the way I look at it. It's like a safe zone for them to, to kind of stage and hang out, you know. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yeah, because I've struggled to hunt right in those places so like that's i'm still in the process of trying to figure it out but like getting just off them and or trying to figure out how they're coming into these places to to be able to actually hunt it and it also seems like does will bed right on that on those flats 
They will. They'll bed right on those flats. I've got I've got a uh, uh, one of my weather stations positioned in one. It's 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 a really prominent one. Like everything around it is nothing but um, Virginia pine trees and loblolly. Um, you know, so it, it's really enclosed. And right in the middle of it is this rocky outcropping where you got a bunch of sparkleberry. The the, the canopy drops probably. Uh, 30 or 40 feet and it's just a band that goes around the side of this ridge and i got a got several cameras and i got a weather station right in there and it, you'd be amazed at the different wind directions as opposed to my other cameras or my other weather stations just for that one location it just it is so much different you know and those are the things you're really trying to find it's just those really anomalous things within the within the canopy within the terrain that that draw deer you know yeah, no, that that makes sense. And the other the other question I had was around um, wind speed. So, like, you, I know, like, you're, you're focusing off of thermals in these these hubs, but is there a um, does it get to a point where there's too much wind in general that it kind of throws it off and it's not worth hunting at that those days? Once you get those high wind high wind velocities, I would say I, it depends on how it depends on the thermal hub itself, of course. Yeah. Uh, if you get this deeper, got higher elevation on each side, and it's like that. It's not going to be affected as much. But the shallower one, let's say you've got only a hundred feet, one hundred fifty feet of of elevation change from the bottom to the top, the main ridge point. Usually, once you get about a seven or eight mile an hour wind, anything above that, it just seems to to balance that movement out, uh, or balance the wind movement, the thermal hub movement. It'll, it'll start pushing the wind to that that um, or pushing the thermal up the op- opposing ridge side. So if you've got a north wind, it kind of pushes that thermal uh, up that south, uh, the north-facing um, uh, slope of the opposite side. And then you'll start seeing, that's where I was saying, like a lot of people fall in love with hunting downwind of a scrape instead of hunting down thermal of a scrape. Uh, the thing that I see that really tells me that downwind is not a, is not a, is not exactly the best is even when that changes, I don't see movement start kicking off in that downwind portion. So if the, if the, if the wind is overriding the thermal, the buck is not going downwind to that uh, scrape or that thermal hub. He's not using that. It doesn't change his movement. He's only using that thermal hub when the thermal is in effect. And if the thermal is overridden, he's out of that ball game. He's not using that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that they, they'd still bed in those types of areas or like live within that, that hub during those higher wind speed days? Or are they going to areas that, that you feel like are, are more, are better for those particular situations? They go, they go to better. I think they, they seek out a, a different alternative, you know, because mm-hmm. their advantage for that is gone at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, once that wind speed uh, goes, you know, then they only got a visual advantage and they may not have cover because a lot of these thermal hubs, if you look at them, um, they're, they're kind of open. So the, he's really going to be relying on his visual advantage at that point in time. And he's, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're, they're seeking out a different alternative at that point. So high wind, once you get in that 10, 10 mile an hour, seven, eight, nine, 10 mile an hour range and above, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not hunting a thermal hub at that point in time at all. Okay. 
And and what about food? Like, how does food affect it as far as food sources and crop and everything? Like, as far as if there's, say, whether there's there's acorns on top of the the ridge, but there's nothing down down lower, are they still going to drop into that hub? Uh, do they still use it the similar? Yeah, I don't I don't see food source in the hubs changing at all because it's such a quick movement. They're not coming down there for food, um, so they're not. Gotcha. Really, you know, they're not really. You know, like the the one that I have. Um, the one I, I put posted on there is mostly it's a hardwood pine mix, but there's not any food in that area. It, it, I mean, it's woody, you know, there's forbs and stuff like that. Like that's another thing there, you know, I don't see a lot of them using the, the ones that do have food. Like if you have a big one that has white oaks in it, like let's say it's a thermal hub that is mostly hardwood and mostly mass producing hardwoods, uh, or white oak, red oak, those they're not going to use those they'll use them but it'll be at night they'll use those after because there is no absolutely no cover at all so the ones that i'm seeing the most benefit from as far as a hunting perspective is this got to have some sort of uh low layer canopy cover yeah uh within it, it it's just it it it's just an added layer or layer of protection for them so the one that i'm i'm dealing with there uh, I'm, I'm doing a more in-depth video on it um, that I'll put out too that, that kind of shows how it looks. And it's very, you know, it's filled with vines. It's got a, you know, maybe maybe chest deep hive just um, browse basically within that thermal hub and just with little pockets of open areas in it. And those are ones you're really wanting to look at. If, if you find one that's maybe just completely open, doesn't have any, any cover, uh, any ground cover at all, um, more than likely that's going to be a, a nighttime only use, you know, that's what I've, I've just, uh, kind of figured out, you know? Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I just, I've, I tend to go like, it was honestly just because this is what I had available to me was most of the areas I hunt don't have any mass producing trees and it's all browse that I've kind of hunted. And it seems like historically the patterns you have more patterns year after year because they're browse based versus mass, which changes everything. I just get more frustrated when I'm hunting mass areas because it can change, you know, completely different year to year when you're focusing all on that, that mass. And it's like, you know, I, I, again, I've told this a bunch of times on here, but I had this area I thought was super remote, great terrain type area, but it was all open hardwoods and it just, it didn't have the food to even produce big deer because they relied just on that mass. And if there wasn't mass, you know, you'd have these old deer that had, you know, big pop cam bases on them, but stubby little antlers and just, they didn't have the the food necessary to, yeah. to be able to go yeah. through it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really hunt, you know, based off of food here because there, there's a white oak on every ridge, you know, and, yeah. and they all produce about the same, you know, like we don't have feed trees or anything that really draws them. They can walk anywhere here and basically either get browse, you know, forbs. And when the white oaks are producing, they're everywhere, you know, unless we have a bad, you know, here, the best hunting is when we have no, uh, when, when we've had a terrible white oak, um, crop, you know, because that does limit everything, um, to just the browse at that point in time. So you can yeah. eliminate that, but they limit the, the, the mature bucks eliminate that themselves. So if you're after a mature buck, um, hunting in the, the open hardwood, white oak flats and, and ridge tops is just, you're, 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 you're only pissing in the wind, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Do you, how much do you put, you know, talking about other kind of like terrain features there, the, the opposite to the thermal hubs, what about like topo hubs? Do you pay much attention to those? I do. Yeah. 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 The, the, the higher elevation, t- uh, yeah. So, so basically for anyone listening, like where you have a bunch of ridges that meet at one point, almost like the yeah. spokes of a wheel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you go back and look at some of my stuff, I uh, first talked about with, uh, with the guys from the Southern outdoorsman. Um, yeah, we went into great detail about those two and those I use, uh, as, uh, yeah, we, um, yeah, I, I do that. Those, um, can be a little, you know, like they're not as, I guess, I wouldn't say they're less predictable, uh, but they're, they're, um, um, I guess they're more, uh, subject to wind at that point in time. Yeah. You, you're, you're going to have to play the wind direction angle, uh, a lot more in those, whereas you don't really have to do that in the lower elevations. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I do, I do pay a lot of attention to that. And a lot of my early camera work that I've done, uh, trail camera wise was based off of, uh, how they, how they interacted with the, the higher elevation scrapes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cause I, I, I don't know. We, well, at least a lot of the areas I hunt in Pennsylvania don't have a lot of the the big knife ridges. Some of them do, but like where that creates these actual funnels with these topo hubs that are there. But down in West Virginia, it was like that was like a, a game changer during the rut, especially. Yeah. It was like these bucks are, you know, I found a, a big scrape under this bush where there's cover around and there was two ridges that kind of met one main ridge right there and put a camera there. And it was like, and, and it's funny, I had said on video, I was like, oh, if I sit here four days during the rut, I'm, I'm sure I could have a chance at something nice. What do you know? I don't go there. And three out of the four days that I was hunting down there, it was like mature buck coming through, cruising yeah. through those, those yeah. particular areas. Now I'd seen some in early October coming through that, but not nearly as much as, you know, during the rut specifically. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of, a lot of this uh, around here, it is rut based, the, the higher elevation, but I do see a lot of usage in that early. Like if you're going to do early, if you're hunting early season here, uh, or, or in this kind of mountainous terrain, like, like kind of what I'm in, uh, that, you know, I focus a lot of my morning hunts on that higher elevation and, you know, I'm trying and I'm, I'm not really seeking the highest elevation. Uh, I, I'm more seeking that mid-level, uh, those second, second, the second level. Uh, so if I've got a ridge point that's, that's say, uh, 1500 feet in elevation, um, and the secondary ridges drop off of it, say at like 1300, well, that's where I'm going to be focusing on. And I'm going to be focusing on them dropping from that higher elevation down to that secondary area before and positioning themselves for that movement to the lower elevation once the thermals drop. So that that's that's yeah, that's definitely a, a, um, a one of my um, and I've done a lot of camera work. That's where a lot of my cameras are put into as well. So okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's great for Intel too, like just cause it's, it's really good for camera Intel of like knowing there's a buck worth hunting in the area then to start, you know, spider webbing those, those cameras out. Cause like, I know for me, when I go into a new area, I don't typically start with plastering it with cameras until I know it's worth, 
something hunting. So like, that's just like one of my key spots that I know that I put a camera here. I'm probably throughout the season going to get a good enough buck on there that, okay, this is warranting me taking another 15 cameras in and starting to put them in these other locations. Oh yeah. 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 And that's, that's kind of the way I do it too. I, I'll pick like a big hub system like that. That's why I call them hub ridges. And I'll, I'll just, um, I'll just pepper them out, you know, at first, if I'm coming into a new area and I like to get at the head of those drainages, uh, where those drainages come up and, and kind of feather out to the, to the secondary ridge points. That's, that seems to be the point where they kind of, uh, when they're traveling up those things, they'll kind of feather out and then they'll J hook onto those secondary ridges. And that's the way I try to hunt them. Uh, generally is I try to pick one that's, um, that where he's going to be J hooking down that secondary ridge point. Uh, early in the morning that's what i try to that's kind of one kind of my hunting strategy a lot for morning hunts is to try to work up the work up a drainage to a point and then set myself up to where either he's coming off of that bed that he got into early morning and working up in the higher elevation in the midday or i'm meeting him there coming out of that drainage you know and that's that's how i've killed several several nice bucks by doing that you know, it's funny as you're talking about that, you described the situation. I have my map pulled up on my other screen here. And uh, there's a spot I'd found when I was spring scouting down in West Virginia where it's on top of the hill, the very top, you have the topo hub where I had my camera before. But I guess it's about 250 feet down over, you hit the first somewhat bench system where it's down there there's not a lot of benches but a secondary ridge comes out that was old strip stuff so it's a lot of bushes a lot of thick cover a lot of briars and then it goes to the open hardwoods and the oaks and right at that ditch at that line there there's there's a steep drainage that comes up and then there was a, a scrape right there and just like it was just like the the ultimate hub of of travel and movement. I'm eventually going to put out a, a, a YouTube video showing I kind of went through the whole area and explaining it, but I kind of had like two trees picked out one that was kind of below the trail and one that was above. And my biggest thing was like trying to figure out how to access this particular spot because I don't have access from the bottom because it's, it's uh private where you can't get in from. So like I'd, I was like, almost like, I'd have to come up over the other one and drop down on top of it to be able to get in there. But basically I'm thinking like they're either depending on how the crop is, maybe they're feeding out, you know, out on these ridges are going to come back to bed and some of that thicker stuff, or maybe they're actually out in some of the grasses and coming back and moving around that line. But I'm trying to, trying to figure it out like early season, how it, how it could work out. Yeah. 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 That, you know, and, and here, what we see is a lot or what I see a lot of, is that movement uh, up into that higher elevation is right at daybreak. Uh, they're staging out in the lower elevations and stuff like that. So you can, you know, if you're trying to come here from the bottom, you better pick the right bottom, you know. Yeah. Or you're going to be walking right up with them, you know. So it, it, it you know, it, it's, you know, a lot of times what you're talking about is actually probably a better idea is to come in from the opposite side and come up if you can, even though, though it may be way out of your way you risk less chance of actually walking in with the deer you're trying to hunt. That's the, that's the issue with coming in from the bottom on a lot of these hubs that are just, you know, it may be just one mountain range or one ridge that contains seven or eight different secondary ridge points. And your only access is from the bottom. Uh, A lot of times you got to do, you got to figure out, you know, or just kind of take a guess, I guess on, on where that buck that you're hunting in the area might be from and try to come in from the opposite side and you'll be walking in with him, you know? 
Yeah, that's the that's the hardest thing of like trying yeah. to understand that, and it's yeah. and I think it's like uh, messing it up a few times before you you kind of figure it out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I one last year, um, actually it's year before last, I did the same thing. I had him down, had him patterned. He was a nice, he's about one hundred and fifty six, one hundred sixty inch, uh, uh, eleven point. And I mean that morning, I had had him on camera uh, working this one secondary ridge point like four or five days in a row. And I'm like, you know, I know he's not going to be on that one today. You know, he's worked that ridge point for four or five days in a row. I said, I'm just going to take a guess that he's going to move over a little bit based on the wind adjusting a little bit. He's going to be on this next one. So I start working up like an hour and a half before, two hours before daylight up this drainage. And he wasn't very far. I only had to go like 400 yards from where I parked at basically up to the ridge point. And sure enough, uh, I get right to where the head of that drainage drops off and I've got my green light on and I look up five feet in front of me and he's standing right next to me. Like just standing right on the side, like on the other side of a brush pile from me. He's just standing there looking at me like, yeah, buddy, you, you know, we're doing the same thing, you know, yeah. and he out, you know, and I, I, I actually almost had a shot at him uh, about a week later and just, just, he just would not, he just would not offer the right shot for me, but um, I'm still after that buck. But yeah, that taught me a lesson, you know, that, that, that's when I really realized, yeah, you know, he's doing the same thing I'm doing, you know, so that's, that's something you really got to think when you're trying to access from the bottom up in the mornings, that's, uh, ooh, yeah. You know, because they are using those drainages to get up and down. And if you're trying to do that too, you're, you know, you're, you're good chance you're going to be walking in right there with them, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I just feel like sometimes with, with these things, you know, you can have the best laid plans and it takes, it takes kind of screwing it up or, or it works out and, and you made the right choice, but like it's to, to really, to really figure it out because it's so, it's, there comes a point where it's really, really hard to predict. And it's like, all right, sometimes you just got to take a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And cause, cause I mean, you look at a ridge system like that, that's got multiple secondary ridge points and you know, a, a couple of bucks are using them. I mean, e- even, even, you know, a lot of these, they set up that they could use any of those ridge points or any of those drainages under multiple wind directions, you know, like he can use this entire side of this mountain with a North wind, you know, to access, so there's so many options uh, that you're, you're really just, it's just a taking a chance at that point in time that you're not going to bump into him, you know? And, and a lot of times you just, you're going to at some point in time, you just gotta, you just gotta bite the bullet, you know? Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. But it's, yeah, it's, it's like looking at, looking at hunting these types of hub systems and some of those different terrain outside of the rut has really opened my eyes to other opportunities. Whereas like, Again, you'd ask me, you know, you know, five, ten years ago, it's like, oh, what about early season in the big woods? I was like, ah, just kind of, kind of write that off. You know, it was, it's just, uh, it's you're wasting your time, so to speak, and 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 I, I don't really feel that way now. It just it takes a lot. It takes a lot of scouting and a lot of thinking about it and understanding how terrain and thermals and wind and all that kind of stuff flows to yeah. to have have those opportunities. Yeah, it's just unlock, unlocking all those puzzle pieces and, and and putting them together. But yeah, it can definitely be done. I mean, I've, I've I've hunted this big timber my whole life, you know, and and it's it's you know it, it's totally different from hunting 
ag or hunting areas where you have a lot of different, a lot of diversity, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's still the same thing. You're still trying to find that diversity within the terrain. And that's what really separates, um, you know, how, how the mature deer, if you're after a mature deer travel versus, um, you know, just any other deer, you know, if you're just out hunting deer, you know, then, then, you know, sure it's different, but when you're trying to unlock that, how that mature buck is, is definitely using the big terrain. It's, it's not, you're, you got to think way differently, you know? Yeah. And you're not, when you're hunting mature deer, you're typically probably not going to see a whole lot of other deer. So it's like, again, it's the, it's the mind game of, of, am I doing, you know, what am I doing that's right? Or am I completely wrong? You know, that, cause they just, they travel differently. They hunt differently. I always think of, I'm seeing a lot of deer, you know, outside of the rut. It's like, I'm probably not in the spot where I'm going to have a chance to shoot a, a mature deer. Yeah. It, it, it's like I told a, a buddy of mine, uh, we were talking about, um, there he hunts. He, he asked me, um, back during turkey season, we, we ran into him and, and he's like, how many deer did you see this year? You know, were you hunting? And I said, well, I only saw 22. I hunted all year, you know. Yeah. He's like, you saw 22 deer? I was like, yeah, that's it, 22. You know, and I was like, I've got them counted down, you know. And he's like, oh, my God. You know, like, I can't even, I would, I would be so defeated if I only saw 22 deer. You know, he's like, I saw 22 in one weekend, you know. Yeah. Like, it's way different here, you know. I said, it, it is not, you know, you've got to have a whole different mindset when you're, when you're, you're, you know, when you're looking at eight to 10 deer, seven to 10 deer per square mile. Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with the buddies Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the GoSticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. You know, as as opposed to thirty or thirty five in a lot of areas, it, it it's you got to have almost a defeatist mindset of going in of saying that I'm probably not going to see a buck, you know, or see a deer today, you know. And when you do, it's like, oh my god, I you know, I I actually I actually saw one, you know. So yeah, but yeah, I, and I, I, another thing I have if you're if you're hunting in this in the big woods, if you're hunting and you're comfortable, you need to move. 
if you're comfortable where you're sitting at and you got good, you know, everything looks pretty and you say, oh, this is a really pretty spot. You need to get down from that tree right then. <laughs> <laughs> to- yeah. totally, to- totally agree there's so many places i'm like man this would be a great spot to sit in a tree it's beautiful like overlooking this you know big oak ridge and i got the valley over here it's like yeah it's not a good spot though it's uh, normally yeah. my spots i can't see more than 15 yards sometimes and it's just like kind of nasty and not yeah. not not the prettiest type oh, yeah. area to sit in those, those pretty oak flats that just draw you in so easy you know it's just so easy to just go and and throw a set at them but when you look at it it's like you know it's like one of my favorite favorite places to hunt here i might could shoot a deer if he come in 15 yards like he's got to be within 15 yards of me or i can't i couldn't tell you if there's anything you know like it is so thick you know i got some buddies they're just like i don't know how you hunt that like i would never go do that like you're you're you know I couldn't spend a day sitting in the middle of that, you know, and I'm like, well, that, you know, that's a difference between us. You know, I can, I can justify it, you know, because I know what's coming through there, you know, but you know, I don't kill as, as many deer as they do either, you know? Yeah. That's, it's it, it, like there's a there's a spot that I've that I've hunted where it's a hemlock covered side hill so and it just pulls downward thermals all day it just yeah. it pulls down it's, it's great but when you're when I'm sitting in the spot there literally the yeah the most I can see is 15 maybe 20 yards and yeah. it's just like and in, underneath some of that like hemlock canopy or any s- s- sort of conifer some it's quieter typically you know the, the the ground's a little softer and they walk in you can't even really hear them coming in a lot of times so it's a it's a really you know you got to be alert because all of a sudden there's the buck that you were hunting and he's just he's standing there 15 yards and you had no idea that he was coming in and that's yep. that is that is very tough like last last year i went up to alberta um during november and i went to hunt with an outfitter up there and, and do some product testing and the guy said to me he's like now just understand the deer density isn't very high here you're probably not gonna see many deer and i just laughed and i was like <laughs> i you know i saw four times as many deer as i'd see the whole season in pennsylvania and i was like this is for me this is not uh uh, low deer density so <laughs> yeah. yeah it's amazing when you when you move if you've hunted it and hunted in the really low de- deer density when you go into areas where it's like oh you know it's the bunch of deer it's just a whole different you know they, they don't act the same it, it's just completely it's a completely different deer you know yeah and so you know here the deer you, you'd almost think they're overpressured, you know because of just the way they act but they're not really it's just there's just so few of them that they just don't behave the same, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a whole different class of animal in a way, you know, so you've got to almost hunt it that away, you know, so. Yeah. No, that, that, that totally makes sense. And like I said, I, I just think it's, it's so awesome that, that, you know, you, you're in Alabama, I'm in Pennsylvania. And the more I talk to the guys all over there's there's so many of us that are hunting these big woods, you know, hill country, mountainous type areas, you know, all different regions. And there's so many similar trends. Like, you know, the food might be a little bit different and the cover might look a little different, but or different plants and trees, but it's all, all relatively the same when you, when you think about it. And, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. There's a lot more of us out there that are, that are dealing with some of these struggles and having to hunt this way than, than I originally thought. Yeah. It, it, you know, you get, so when you're, when you hunt it like that, when you're used to hunting that type of style, 
you get so, you know, your mindset is nobody else can, can experience it to what nobody else, you know, it's like you're, you don't realize that you're not alone, you know, like, no. you know, and, and when you, when you start talking to other guys, it's like, wow, you know, everybody, I'm not the only one that's having to deal with this, you know, this, this issue at all, because it, it is, you know, when you do hunt the big woods and you hunt the, the, the low deer density, um, areas like that, it's, it's, like I said, you almost got to have a defeatist, not, not a defeatist mindset. You got to have your confidence in yourself, uh, that you can get it done, but you got to realize that, that, um, that, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out every day and see a deer and you got to be okay with that. You know, if you can be okay with that, uh, you, you got one foot ahead of everybody else. It's the yep. ones that never accept that I can go out a day and hunt or go out three days. I mean, I hunted 11 days straight last year at the, at the prime time of, of our season during the, the bulk of our rut and saw a total of one deer during 11 days, you know, yeah. like that that's tough, you know, like that really beats your, your, your ego down, you know, and I have all this information, you know, like I've done all this trail camera and, and, and you almost feel like, well, I'm just a crappy hunter, you know, like, <laughs> and go out for 11 straight days and see one deer you know but then that 12th day you know i didn't close the deal on a deer i I think i missed the deer but you know all it takes is that one day you know like and then your confidence is back you know so it's really just a continuation of building your confidence up and just um just knowing that eventually you know i'm gonna have that chance i gotta capitalize on it you know yeah, that's the same way it was for me last year. It was like four four days of not seeing a single deer, and I hadn't seen a single buck in two weeks, really. Like, I mean, I wasn't I was hunting pretty dang close to every day, and then all of a sudden, last light there that I shot my buck, and all of a sudden it was done, and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs in a split second. Yeah, that, that's the way it is. The, the big woods hunting is like that. It's it's a it's a lot of grinded out until the, you until you until you can't, you know. And that's when it's usually, you know, it's it's always seems for me. It's always that when I'm least expecting it, that's when it happens, you know. Yeah, and and it always was like a, it was always difficult when uh, you know when when I would like okay, so I say I'd have a week or a week and a half to take a vacation, um, you know during the rut, I was like, oh, is that going to be, you know, is that going to be enough time? And you talk to people from other areas, like, what do you mean? Like, that's not going to be enough time. I'm like, I need, I need the whole season really. Like it's, it's not, no matter how much scouting you do all this different stuff to, if you're trying to hunt mature deer, like that's, it's really, really difficult. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and for me that, you know, I've told some, some other people this too, you know, hunting the hunting this style like i may put in three years on one buck you know to really to get to the point where i feel like i could kill that deer you know like i could realistically kill that buck you know it's 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 not the same as as just trying to kill any deer you know like and and that's you know you run into the same issue here as everywhere else you've hunted a buck i've had three or four years worth of data it's like the one of the bucks i was after last year uh a guy killed it uh, Thanksgiving, I, ha- I had had opportunity to hunt him the day before he killed him, you know, and I didn't, I didn't take that, 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 that time that I knew where the buck was going to be. And sure enough, the buck got killed the next day. I go pull my card and the buck was right where I was, where I should have been the day before, you know, like if I'd have just been there and, and pushed myself that extra day, 
I would have had that opportunity. I would have killed the buck that I'd been chasing for three or four days. But instead, some guy walking back to his truck, you know, the deer crossed in front of him and stood in the road and he shot and killed him. (laughs) So like, you know, it, that those things just happen, you know, but, but it does for me, it takes two or three years worth of data to really have a confidence that I can, you know, Hey, I think if I, everything works right and I have that data hunt, I can kill this buck on this day, you know? And, and it, 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 like I said, it does take, it takes years sometimes to kill a buck, you know? Yeah, no, it, it 100% does. And it's just, I, I, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not at the point yet, but the more I talk to, I don't think there's very many people that hunt these types of areas that can just go in every year and figure out one buck and, and kill them. And that's why I'm always like, you know, I might be hunting a specific deer, but I, I typically I'll shoot other deer that would come into that that area but i always have backup spots and i'm like learning i'm learning of these other deer while i'm hunting another deer because i know i can't just like hunt three years for one deer he gets killed and then try to go restart and learn another one it's got to be like kind of coincided there because it's it's it it is so difficult and they all have their own little tweaks and and things that they like to do yeah you got to put yourself you know i'm talking about hunting one deer but you've got to have backups i mean if you don't or you got to at least hunt in an area where you believe there's other bucks. Cause, cause I mean, it, it like, kind of like you said, if, if you, you know, like I, I said earlier, if, if your, your buck gets killed and you're not the one that does it and you've been chasing after it, um, man, it, it's really, you know, you're, you're scrambling then, you know, to really, to get back in the game a lot of times. So I, I try not to do that either. I try not to put all my eggs in one basket or try to just say, well, this is the buck I got to have. And if I don't have it, I'm, I've, I've had a bad season or anything like that. Cause if you do that, man, you'll have a lot of bad seasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And my, and my, and our reason for telling you guys this that are listening, is isn't to discourage you, but it's to have, you know, it's, it's more so that to, to help because I've talked to so many people that'll be, you know, I'll, it seems like all of a sudden November comes around. And I'm getting a bunch of messages like, Hey, I'm doing these things and it's not working out. And I'm like, keep doing it, you know, cause it's just like, it's, it's going to take time and, and you got to just, yeah, you're doing the right things, but it, it doesn't always just because you're doing the right things work out. And it's, and it takes time to, to learn that and keep, just keep trying. I, I feel like, again, I, I say it all the time, but the people that are the most successful with it are, are a lot of times the ones that just don't give up and they, you know, they have the knowledge, but they also go until the bell rings. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to, you can't, you know, you've got to utilize every, if you, if you, if you have the ability to be out in the woods, you need to be there, you know, like you can't, uh, you can't put excuses for, for, for not having success. If you didn't put the time in to do it, you know, you can't yeah. say, well, you know, it didn't work out for me and you left 15 hunting days, days you could have went hunting on the table, you know, like you, you, it, it, it you hunting, hunting this type of way, you've got to, you've got to utilize every moment that you can be in the woods, you know, but, but at the same time, you've got to be, uh, you've got to be very, um, uh, methodical and very strategic, uh, when you're hunting the big woods, as opposed to a lot of other areas. Uh, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's. Uh, hunting big woods bucks and hunting low dense deer density uh, deer is way more strategic in your preparation and your planning than than hunting a lot of other uh, type of deer that I've uh, you know and I have a lot of experience doing it in different areas and there's a lot more strategy you've got to be a, a more strategic methodical uh, combination of a hunter to, to, to be able to su- be successful at it uh, consistently in, in my opinion and yeah, I, I, and it- 
and and I'll say like the the one mindset shift that that has helped me personally and maybe it won't for others but like I I look at every time I go into hunt as it's going to be the day that that I kill them so that I that I do all the details I do all the things and I lo- I don't look at it as if I have a week to hunt because then sometimes I like kind of be a little bit lazy maybe at the beginning of it or like, Oh, I got this time. But if I look at it, like, this is the day I have to hunt and I, and I do that. And then I do that every day and kind of reset. It's like these shorter steps. When you look at, I know for me, like if I look at, say I have two weeks and I can go hunt, it's like, okay, I got two weeks. I got plenty of time. But if you look at it, like, okay, every day, just kind of doing, doing the right things that I need to do. That's, that seemed to help me, uh, kind of stay in that game a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a really good out. I think, I think maybe I fall into the opposite. I try to, you know, I probably need to take that more of that approach. Cause I, I tend to take the approach of, or I have, I caught myself and maybe it's just my, uh, the, you know, my personality or something, but I, you know, I'll take a week and say, okay, I'm I got to kill this buck within this week, or I got to see the buck within this week, you know, and, yeah. and probably, and what you're saying would be a more apt, you know, thing to do is is take each day the day instead of looking at it as like a week long process, you know, put as you know, put more emphasis on the day itself, and then break each day down, you know, yeah. Like a, instead of instead of looking at it like I got to kill it within a larger time window, I got to kill it within a shorter time window. And I think you'd probably be a lot uh, a lot more uh, detail oriented if you're doing that if you have that mindset, you know. Yeah. And that's just like with my personality type, I felt like that's helped me do that. And it doesn't mean like that I'm just going to like jump into the the best spot when the conditions are wrong or whatever. It just means I'm going to look at the conditions and try to have the best plan for that specific day and conditions that they're, that they're being thrown at me. And I don't know, just that, that little mindset game. Cause like, again, like we talked about, you gotta, you gotta do all you can to keep your mind right when you're, when you're hunting these deer. Yeah. You really, you gotta keep that confidence up. Cause if you don't have that, um, and you're hunting, like I said, this, this low deer density, it, it, it can really, it can really play with your ego. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, Shane, I've kept you on long enough. I apologize for, uh, for oh. keeping you on here so long, but man, I, I just enjoyed talking about this stuff and there was, there was a, a giant list of other things that I wanted to cover. So I'll have to get you on again, but it was just fun, uh, to really break down, the way you look at some of these hub systems and, and, you know, your real time data that you have from this stuff and being able to apply it. Like, I feel like we, we covered a lot of good stuff there. So thanks for, thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It was great to talk with you. I really enjoyed it. Anytime you, you want me back, I'll be glad to, to share more data and information. So. Great. And, uh, for anyone, anyone listening, you can check out Shane November warrior outdoors, um, on, uh, YouTube as well as Instagram. Is there anywhere else that people can kind of find you at? Yeah. You can find me on Facebook as well. I'm, I'm, you can usually just look up Shane Parker and you can connect to my, to my page. I post a lot of stuff on my personal page and then I have, have one dedicated to the, to the outdoor page as well. So those three are my main ones. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for for coming on, Shane. I appreciate it. Thank y'all. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.